This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to another episode of Carefree Black Girl Diaries, where we discuss various topics from pop culture, news, life, and more. And today I'm extremely excited because I have a special guest with me. Um, The last podcast episode, I hinted at who it would be, but I didn't really tell you all who it was going to be. So today I have Miss Jasmine Ruja. Yes. Ruja. Okay, I said it right, y'all. Hey, (laughs) y'all. So to give you all a little background, me and Jasmine here at FAMU, which is where we're recording, and I don't really remember how we met, like... It just kind of happened. Yeah, I guess maybe like social media Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. So I think those relationships are kind of the best kind of relationships when you don't remember how you met somebody. Exactly. It's like we've always been in the communication bracket. Yeah. I think we kind of like knew the same people. Mm -hmm. So that's how it works. Those are the best friendships. Mutual friends. Yeah, mutuals. (laughs) Mutuals in my Twitter. But I will say, since I've known her, she's truly been such a beautiful person, inside and out. Thank you. Thank you. are welcome. If you've ever had a chance to encounter her presence, there's truly something special about it. And I'm not just saying that, y'all. Like, if you ever get a chance to meet her or come across her path, like, make sure you speak to her and you can see what I'm talking about. Thank you. It's okay. You can blush. So I could go on and on, but we'll start with this interview. So tell us, who is Jasmine Ruja? Who is Jasmine Ruja? Well, I'm, I'm your regular, regular, regular <laughs> girl. <laughs> I'm from Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland, crib, crib. Um, I'm just someone who's trying to chase their purpose, honestly. Um, I love giving back to people, helping people. T- typically... Women, young girls, I really have a passion for children, so I work with kids, like, at my church. Um, any opportunity I can get to work with kids, I'm probably in there, in the bounce houses, right. playing with kids, doing all that stuff. Because I just like to see young kids develop in a positive way. And I feel like when you start young, you can get their minds on the right track. That's and true. grow them in the way that you want them to live their full life. Very true. But um, I'm just, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I'm, I'm a speaker. Um, I would call myself an artist because okay. I don't like to call myself a specific thing because mm-hmm. I do a lot. So mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> it's like all in common. Yes, all in the all in one. So I would call myself an artist, okay. and just everything I do is my art. Okay, I like that. I think I'm an artist too, y'all. Yeah, you're. <laughs> So you've really been coming out as a strong advocate for mental health. And I just found out her major is psychology, so it makes yes, sense, yes. Um, especially in the black community, black community. So how did that happen or what sparked something in you to bring awareness to it? Um, where did it start? I think growing up in schools and stuff, even like at a young age, I don't want to say middle school, maybe the beginning of my freshman year in high school, like a lot of people at my school were dealing with like mental health issues. So mm-hmm. a lot of people were suicidal self-harm and stuff I went to all-girls school in high school so I had a lot of friends that dealt with stuff like that and they would come to me to talk to me about it so it's always like as I'm looking back I've noticed like I've always attracted people that needed guidance Mm -hmm. or help so I was just always you know being friends to people and it kind of stuck out to me because I'm like there's people that are going through stuff that don't really talk about it and when people come to me and talk about it, it's like, okay, I'm your safe place. Like, I get that, you know? And it's like, I'll do what I can to help people. But I think that really helped spark an interest in mental health in general because the people that at the time weren't black because I mm-hmm. went to, like, a predominantly white school. But I think it's, it, it, it sparked more when I got to college and I started realizing, like, people were coming to me that looked like me mm-hmm. trying to ask for help with stuff that they were going through. And I'm like, okay, so this is clearly happening in our community, too, and people yeah. don't know about it. And then when I got my major and started doing research and studying it and saw that we had one of the highest suicide rates, I was like, okay, so this is a problem. Yeah. So we need to deal with it head on. You know, people need to learn about it because... I know a lot of times growing up, you hear, oh, that's a white people thing. Mm -hmm. Or black people don't do that. Or pray about it. You know, stuff like that. Girl, that that, that (laughs) is the one. Just pray about it. You're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, prayer works. 
but some people need more mm -hmm. and they need more guidance and they need to know how to get through it so that's really what drives me to do what i do i like that thank you i like that so you said something about like kind of being a safe space for everybody you know mm -hmm. and i kind of felt like that like a few years back like everybody would come to me and ask me for advice mm -hmm. and stuff and it would get overwhelming because <laughs> I feel like I'm carrying your story, your story, mm -hmm. my story. So how do you deal with that? Like, honestly, it's it's still difficult sometimes. I've I've gotten to the place where I learned how to say no because mm -hmm. I used to I used to be just help people, help people, help people. Because I'm like I feel bad because I know you need my help, yeah. and it's like I know I have stuff going on, but I can still help you. And I would drain myself. I would literally drain. I would feel horrible. Like. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm helping these people, but I still got my stuff going on. So it's hard to be there for you and be there for myself. Mm -hmm. So it got difficult. And I just had a moment where I was like, I just need to take a break and start saying no and just get myself together too. And while still helping other people, but right. just set boundaries. So I was like, I felt bad at first. I'm not going to lie. Like yeah. I would tell people no and I'd be like, I'm sorry. Like <laughs> I can't. It was like younger people that kind of looked up to me. But in the end... I felt like I wouldn't be able to help other people if I don't take care of myself, too. Mm -hmm. So, honestly, I just put boundaries in. I'll be like, if I'm literally not in the mental space or have stuff going on where I can't help other people, I'm not going to force myself or push myself to do that and drain myself mm -hmm. to do it. I'll just get myself together to be in a better place to help other people. That makes sense. No, it does make sense. Because, girl, it will drain it, it, It's you. a lot. Like, it is. And then you get bogged down. It reminds mm -hmm. me of... Um, this interview where Oprah was saying she had to learn to start telling people, no, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And it was nothing personal, but she was saying like, I can't pour from a half empty glass. Exactly. So I have to be full first. Right. My so, great grandmother always said, you cannot love other people until you love yourself. You can't help other people. So you help yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you just have to be that person for yourself first. And I always think about that when I get to the point where I'm drained, I'm like, grandma told me, uh -huh. <laughs> she told me about this. <laughs> gotta go back but I really um now I set up times for myself in the morning where I just like I don't look at my when I first wake up I don't look at my phone I just like I cut everything off and I just sit on the floor and I pray and I write stuff down I'm like let me get myself together before yeah. I go into the world and people ask me for stuff because mm -hmm. it's important to spend that like time with yourself mm -hmm. so you can just kind of check in sometimes mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times we're like consumed with social media, consumed with television, especially news now, oh with goodness. all of the stuff that's happening. And it can get like, it can really pass you. Like, how do I really feel? Because right. we're consuming so much of other people's thoughts and opinions. Yeah. We, girl, we, look, we, I, we, I told y'all. I told y'all. Right. I told y'all. So, um, you said earlier about the black community, so that kind of segues us into my next question. Mm -hmm. So I think there is such a stigma in the black community that comes along with mental health mm -hmm. and like how we deal with it and everything. So recently, there has seemed to be like an awakening with people being more accepting of the thought of therapy and counseling and realizing that a lot of our issues stem from past experiences mm -hmm. and never really dealing with them at the time. We just kind of push them back right. or... Mm, yeah, I'm not going to deal with that right now. Right. I deal with it later. I feel like a lot of black people do that. So, but one thing I realized, like, it always comes back. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it comes back. <laughs> to bite. <laughs> it comes back with a vengeance. And yes. it's like, you should have dealt with me then. Mm -hmm. As opposed to dealing with so me now. now. Really gonna deal with me. Yeah, so how do, you, how do you deal with stuff at the moment? Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, deal with it at the moment. Sometimes I'm not gonna lie, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes yeah. it'll get to some some issues where I'm like, I have stuff to do. Like, <laughs> I, can't I can't deal with this like, right, right now. I'm like, can I sit here and think about this? But I try my best to not really push stuff off because I know for myself, I'm a very emotional person. So if I push stuff off, it'll just be bottled up, and one little thing will happen. And like it's I will like... break a pencil or something, <laughs> the world will go crazy, and I'll just be like, oh my gosh, like. But, no, I just, I really just, if I feel myself getting to that point where it's like, okay, I really need to deal with this, I'll just stop. I'll just, like, write. Because writing really mm -hmm. lets it's it all It's therapeutic. Out. It is. Like, it gets everything out of my head. The stuff that I hold inside, like, I'll just, like, just be writing for, like, an hour. Be like, oh, my gosh. It's all out. So, really, writing helps me deal with stuff. Um, 
Because what I'll do, when I write, I kind of write in letter form. So it's okay. like I'm writing to somebody. So when I go back and read it, it's like I'm writing it to myself. Mm. And it's like I'm reminding myself of what I was dealing with at the present, like in the present moment. In the future, going back and reading this, like, right. okay, you told yourself this when you were feeling this way. So it helps me to understand. It helps me to understand how far you come yes, how far I've come, yeah. how far I've grown. Like, you were at this place, like, a few months ago, and you're not there anymore. So yeah. it's like, give yourself credit. Be proud of yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. Another thing I try to do is really just be patient, because some things that we deal with, just everybody deals with this, like, it's not going to go away overnight. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, really just understanding, like, things take time, you know, healing from things take time, healing from stress. Like, stress is going to be there, because yeah. life is stressful, school is stressful, but you just really have to give yourself that time to breathe. And if you need to get away from people and not be around everybody, please go in your room and lock the door. Yes. Because you being around a whole bunch of people while you're, when you, when you feel like you need to regroup, it's not going to help. It's mm-hmm. not. And I learned that. The hard way. Yes, Did you learn the hard way? Yes. Yeah. It's not going to help. So, I'm going to give you a little bit of my backstory. Mm-hmm. So, I love stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> we we sharing a little piece of ourselves, y'all. So, um, I typed it down so I wouldn't forget any piece. <laughs> so, if it sounds like I'm reading, I am reading, y'all. Don't judge her. Okay, don't judge, don't judge me. So, my grandparents, they all passed before I was born, mm-hmm. with the exception of one. And that was my dad's mom. She passed four months after I was born. But as I've gotten older, I've become more aware of the fact that not having a relationship or not having really known them is something that really bothers me, you know? And I think growing up, I always thought, like, you know that saying, like, you can't miss something you never had? Mm -hmm. But I just found, like, that's not really true all the time. It's it's like, yeah, you can't miss something you never had. And I always, like, kept that with me. But, you know, as I've gotten older and with time, I'm like, "Mm, that's not really true all the time. Because I find myself, like, missing a potential relationship, Mm -hmm. like, with my grandparents and stuff. So when I was a kid, like, 13, 14 years old, and we're going on field trips with school, and people's grandparents are coming, and I'm like... Like, I know I feel something, but I don't know exactly what I feel Mm -hmm. because I'm 13. And I see now, like, I guess it was a sense of maybe not jealousy, but, like, a sense of longing Mm -hmm. for that. Like, wishing I had that kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't have a grandma yell at me to close her door because I'm (laughs) letting the air out. Like, I didn't have a grandma to get mad at my mama if I say I didn't eat that day. Mm -hmm. So, that's something that I realized, like, I need to see where a lot of emotions come from Mm -hmm. inside of myself and where they stem from Mm -hmm. so that's something i'm trying to like overcome right now Mm -hmm. so what's something as you've gotten older you feel like oh that's what that that's what Mm -hmm. i was feeling or that's something i need to work on with myself okay Hmm. it's um i think it's a few things it's it's two in particular so so you're talking about grandparents my Mm -hmm. grandfather um at a very young age at I think when I was younger, he had he had his he passed away from Alzheimer's okay. when I was in I think high school. It was, no, 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 it was in college. A few years, like two or three years ago. Okay, recently he passed, mm-hmm, passed away from Alzheimer's. But when I was young, he actually got Alzheimer's. So mm-hmm. I like we had a relationship until he started you know losing his memory mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So um, I used to work at the assisted living home that he was staying in so i would see him every day you know he like i would be up there with him every day but it's like he wouldn't know who i was okay so it was kind of like dang the person i grew up with you know going to my grandparents house you know sitting downstairs whenever i turn the channel he'd be like uh-uh turn it back and it's like now you don't know who i am you know mm-hmm. what i mean so i feel like since my father's um my father's dad passed away when he was seven so I never met my paternal grandfather. So it's like I had my grandfather. Right. So it's like, wow, that's a piece of me that's still here, that was still there at the time. But it was like he wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. So it, was, it kind of took a toll on me, but I never really, like, addressed it. Mm-hmm. It was just like, because he, he's, he's still alive. Yeah. So it's like, it's not like you're gone, but it's just like you're not really here. You're here physically. Yeah, but it's like you, you don't really know who mm-hmm. we are. It's like you just... We're people to you. Yeah. It's like, you mean something to us. So, he passed away when I was at school. And I did go to the funeral. 
I did lose a funeral. He passed away when I was at school, but I think because my great grandmother passed away the year before. So it was two deaths in one time, and I was just like, every single time I go to FAMU, someone passes away. It's yeah. bad luck. Like, <laughs> what is going on? But that kind of um, just seeing that transition from the person that I knew to him not really being there mm-hmm. mentally, it kind of took a toll on me. So I'm like, whoa like i wasn't yeah. prepared for that i'm young like i don't really know what's going on mm-hmm. why doesn't he remember me type stuff so that's one thing another thing is my parents they got divorced when i was like six okay. or seven and i never really this is the thing like i'm learning stuff okay like, <laughs> i'm learning stuff every day i never really knew how much that took a toll on me and so i started going to therapy and like <clears throat> my therapist is so cool we talk about everything and he really be reading me and i'm like i'm talking about stuff and he's like um well do you think that stems from such and such and such and such and i'm like why are you so loud like, we are in a, a small room nobody else in here why are you screaming at me like i don't get it bringing everything right, out right right but i never really knew how much it had an impact on my thinking not mm-hmm. even just me behaving the way i behave because i i'm i don't think no, i'm not gonna say that because it does have a impact on how I behave but it has more of an impact on how I think okay and I'm noticing that even today like to the present day like I figured out like two weeks ago I'm like whoa I think this because of this of this That's right and it's yeah. like you just get these revelations and it's like I need to change that but yeah um I think my parents divorce had an impact on the way I think about my independence okay if that makes sense because i grew up with my mom and seeing my mom and my grandmother always doing stuff for themselves always Mm -hmm. working hard and my dad is in my life but i think like the first few years of my parents divorce was rocky of course okay yeah so it was just like all like it's just a mess and i just was with my mom most of the time and you know me and my mom didn't have the best relationship after the divorce because you know she's hurt of Mm -hmm. course you know when you're hurt you do things you don't yeah. mean, you know. Hurt people, hurt mm-hmm. people. Exactly. So we didn't have the best relationship. But, you know, I grew up in the house with my mom and my grandmother. And seeing them always, well, my grandfather's there too, but like I said, he's Alzheimer's. So seeing my mom being a single mother now, doing everything, working hard for herself, not really wanting to accept things from people because she's like in that space. Seeing my grandmother being the independent person because my grandfather has Alzheimer's now. She has to take care of everything, take care of him, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just like I grew up with this overly independent mindset. <gasps> That's really what it is. Overly independent. Don't want nobody to do anything for oh. me. Want to do everything myself. Don't like to ask for help. And I noticed that a few weeks ago. I went for my brother and I'm like, I think I'm too independent. And he's like, why you say that? I was like, because I don't let people help me. Yeah. Like, I really don't. Like, I don't like asking for help. Mm-hmm. It, it just burns me. Like, when I have to go to somebody and ask for help, oh. I'm just like. I will do everything in my power oh, to figure it out my myself. Oh, my gosh. Carolyn, you don't understand. <laughs> everything. Like, everything. If I ask you for help, I'm on my last straw. Like, last. Like, I'm about to pass option. out. <laughs> for real. <laughs> like, I was just talking. I was like, that is not okay. Like, it's. It's great to be independent because you should want to be able to do things for yourself. Yeah, but of course. I was like, it's getting to the point where I will need help and I literally won't ask people for help because I just like, I don't know. It's something inside of me. It's that pride. That's what it mm-hmm. is. Something inside of me is just like, you got this. Like, you can do it yourself. You don't need nobody to do anything for you. And I'm just like, I need to break that. Yeah. And I've been working on it. I'm catching myself, you know, been asking for help every now and then. You know, just to practice. Exactly, for practice, yeah. you know. But that's really something that I noticed that stemmed from something that happened years ago. Right. So it's like, really, it, I think it's because it happened at a young age. Mm-hmm. Like you said, with your grandparents, like at a young age, you start to learn behaviors. And then when you get older, it's harder to yeah. get out of those behaviors because you're so used to being that way. And when you're young, like mm-hmm. you can't recognize it for what it is because exactly. you don't really know when you're six exactly. or when you're 13 and mm-hmm. stuff you're just like i know i feel something but i don't know exactly what i feel right, right. now and then i guess as you get older then you start to recognize those things but it's funny that you said that about your parents divorce because my parents have been married before i was born mm-hmm. and everything but their relationship has always been not the most ideal mm-hmm. i guess so like We'll talk about that offline, <laughs> but it's not the most Stay ideal situation. <laughs> and I think last year, no, I think it was like two years ago, I was talking to this guy 
Mm-hmm. And he was like, basically the same thing. Like, you don't let anybody do anything for you. And I was like, what? Like, like real defensive. You don't know my life. What you mean? <laughs> and he was like, you don't let anybody do anything for you. Like, you won't let me open the door. You won't let me buy you food. You won't let me do this. Mm-hmm. And even outside of like those attacked. things. <laughs> I'm feeling sad. I'm sitting there like, whoa. <laughs> like, he right. Right. But at the same time, like, I didn't recognize at that moment where that stemmed from. And mm-hmm. I just like came to the realization it was from my parents relationship because Mm -hmm. my parents don't have like that lovey-dovey husband and wife that you see on tv Mm -hmm. kind of sitcom relationship at all like Mm -hmm. it can be very confrontational at times very argumentative argumentative Mm -hmm. so like that's how i am in relationships Mm -hmm. with like counterparts and you learn from what you see what you see Mm -hmm. and i think like Seeing my friend, like, one of my good friends, her parents have a really good relationship. And she, in her relationships, mm-hmm. she mirrors what her parents have shown her. Mm-hmm. And I mirror what, what my parents girl, have shown me. I understand. So, it's I like, it's we gotta like, do better. We do. And it's hard, but we yeah, gonna get there. We gonna get there. It's hard, but I, I noticed that, too. I'm like, whoa. I can't be like this. Like, I'm yeah. not trying to do the same like same thing that my parents did. I'm trying to be. I'm not saying that my parents weren't good parents. My parents were amazing parents. Yeah. But like better than my better. parents. You always want to be better. Always want to be better. So like I'm just. I feel like everything I do now, I always think about my kids. Cause I think about what I went through as a yeah. kid. Yeah, I'm like, and you don't want to do that. I want my kids to have a great life. Mm-hmm. I want them to be happy. I want to always be uplifting them. I never want to say anything that's gonna make them feel like, dang, my parents don't believe in me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm always. Like, when I'm growing, I'm always having them in mind. Like, I need to be this way for my kids. Like, when stuff happens, like, little things, and it's like, let's say I get disappointed or somebody hurts my feelings or um, somebody makes me mad. And sometimes we t- we can hold those things in because we don't want to deal with them. Mm-hmm. I try to deal with it right away because I'm like, I don't want to hold this in to the point where I forget about it and then it comes back out later or it's, it's affecting the way I'm acting towards... towards people that I care yeah. about or my kids in the future like I, I just can't do that so everything I do or I'm trying to heal from is just for my kids I'm trying to be the best mom like yeah for real. I think our generation is gonna make good parents I do too like we on to something we on to something <laughs> the older people might not understand it but I think we will make I don't want to say better parents but more understanding parents, mm-hmm. I and guess open. I would say, and open. I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping because a lot, all this mental health talk that's going on in the media with Jada Pinkett Smith and her red table talk. Which oh, one? My God, because I missed one. I'm I missed the hair loss one. The first of all, I didn't even know about these things until I saw Willow's um video on yeah. Twitter, and I'm yeah. like, I was watching it, and I was like, this is amazing. Like you have three generations of women, the mother, the grandmother, and the daughter, sitting openly sharing feelings, like allowing each other to be themselves, allowing each other to be emotional, not vulnerable, say, vulnerable yeah. not saying like, oh, you need to get over that or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it's like, whoa, Jada Pinkett, I need to, I need to be like that. I want to be that kind I of I want to be that mom. Like, let's sit at the same, what's yeah. going on, sis? Like, and you can tell me mm-hmm. and not feel like. Oh, what is she gonna say exactly. when I say this? Exactly, because I feel like so many, so many of us, our generation, felt yeah. like that with our parents. Yeah, I know I did. Same. So it's like I feel like, hopefully, we will see that that's not the way to go, yeah. and be more open with our kids so that we can teach them. Because, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot, y'all. It's a lot. Look, we might have to have a, a, a separate one about black parenting, right? Part two. Yeah. That's crazy. So, changing gears. (laughs) Sorry, y'all. We almost went there. But if y'all want us to make a separate podcast episode about black parenting. Because we can talk about it. We can can definitely talk about about it. it. I feel like we want to talk about it. We try to stay on track. Yeah, because I feel like if we go there... We're going to stay there. Exactly. But I bought her here for a specific (laughs) reason. So we're going to change gears a little bit. So you have a self-published book. Yes, I do. And it's titled Vibrance, excuse me, Evolution, The Beauty and Becoming. Yes. All right. 
And just so y'all know, we have been talking about this podcast before I even knew. We've been talking about this podcast for a long yeah. time. <laughs> and then I saw, I think I was on Twitter. or Yeah, I was on Twitter. And I saw she posted the book. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. Now we got to really do this podcast <laughs> so she can come on and talk about this book. So, I think it was just, like, all destined to be, like, mm-hmm. you know how the Bible says all things work together. Mm-hmm. That's, like, my favorite Bible verse, Romans eight twenty eight Keeps me going. It does. It does. So, the book comes out for pre-order today. Yes, at midnight. At midnight. So, how does it feel? I'm so excited. It's so many emotions that have been going through me for these past couple of days. It's like, I'll be really... Overall, I'm excited. Yeah. But then it's like, I start working myself up. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I'm not promoting hard enough? What if I'm not... Um, when people don't see the yeah. book, they don't know it's on sale. Like it's it, just so much. It can but be hard. Yeah, it's so exciting though. Like I'm really excited now. I think I'm excited because tonight is the night that it goes on mm-hmm. sale. So now I'm just like all that, all those doubts and stuff. It has nothing to do with me right now. Yeah, I'm about to sell my book. Like, yeah, I'm and excited. It's brand new. You did it yourself. Like so it's your baby. It is. I think that's why I was so nervous about yeah. it. So I'm like, this is really like. My art, like all the pictures in there are mine, like everything in there that I've written is like from letters and stuff that I've wrote over the past years. Like it's just, it's my baby, it's my art. Yeah, it's beautiful, y'all. Once you order the book, because I know y'all are gonna order this book, <laughs> you see all the beautiful pictures of flowers and the sky and stuff. You say you took them on yourself. Mm-hmm. And Girl, the iPhone 8 though, I got the iPhone 8 what? too. Girl, this camera, this camera. If y'all don't, this is not an Apple plug, but if Look. y'all don't have this iPhone 8, Apple, if you want to endorse us, you know, that's cool too. Let us know. know. Let us know. Because <laughs> the iPhone 8 camera is like amazing, ugh, spectacular. I have a um, a professional camera. Okay. And so I, I'm looking at my iPhone, looking at my professional camera, like this looks exactly the same. The same. I have a DSLR too. Oh my goodness. The can- it's a Canon. Um, I can't remember which one, but I can't remember which one. Yeah, we're bad with that, right? Because we use the phone, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's like I use it, but I don't know what it's called. And it's more convenient <laughs> when you use the phone too, because you have phone. it with you all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, how did the book come about? Um, how did this book come about? I honestly, I'm, I'm try, I be trying to explain this to people. Like, I really don't know when exactly I started. Mm-hmm. Because I think it was one day where I was just like, I have all these books. I was reading my books one day. Like, they were all on the floor. I'm reading through it. I'm going to have all this stuff. And I was really going to make it, like, a big, like, a multiple blog post. Okay. Like a big blog post or, like, something. It wasn't going to be a book. Like, I was just typing all my stuff up. Like, putting all my stuff on a Microsoft document. And then I got all of it on there. And then one day I went back and, like, I sat it down. Didn't go back to it. One day I went back and read, like, everything I had on there. And I started, like, you know, you read this. So I started adding stuff in, mm-hmm. like, to make it flow. And, like, it just started flowing. And it was kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> I should do something with this. Right, I was like, I should do something with this. And I had always talked about <clears throat> writing a book. But I think I wanted my first book to be something totally different. Like, I had this idea in my mind. But when I started writing this, um, I was really just like, I feel like people can read this and be helped from mm-hmm. the things that I went through. So, I was like, I could just make this into, like, a little devotional, like, workbook type of thing. Yeah. Know? People like to, to know how, um, some people don't know how to, how to process their emotions or how to get stuff out. So, mm-hmm. I was like... So I noticed with um, some of the threads I did on Twitter, people would say, you know, you should really write a book about like with stuff like this, like to ask questions so we can answer the questions. People like, I didn't really realize something about myself until I answered your question type thing. So I was thinking, I'm like, okay, you're right. That's good. (laughs) I was like, you're right. So um, I think I started, I want to say in January. Of this year? Yes. Wow. It's only May. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, psych my, I be psyching myself out when I think about it. I started in January, but it wasn't as hard because I already had content okay. to build off of. I felt like it would have been much harder if I had started from scratch. Like, I was mm-hmm. going to do the other book that I wanted to... I really don't remember what I wanted it to be about the other book. So, clearly, it wasn't purpose. Yeah. <laughs> like, this was me, purpose. though. So, I started piecing it all together. Um, I stopped a couple times, actually. Like, I really was like, I'm not going to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I really don't. It was just... Points out, like it took a lot. It took yeah. a lot. I was just, it was a day where I was trying to write. <laughs> Let me stare at a blank screen. <laughs> I will write stuff, and I'm like, nothing is coming out. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I just had so much juice yesterday, 
like to to so much fuel to write and i came to write today and it's like nothing's coming out like it would be days where i was just crying like why isn't this working mm-hmm. like i thought like i'm praying i thought you told me to write this book like <laughs> why is it working <laughs> like it was it was really difficult but i think the process helped me grow too because i would read it every day mm-hmm. and when you re- when i read it and like <clears throat> puts it back into my spirit like okay reminders like you you wrote this and you're telling people this so you need to practice what you preach yeah kind of stuff yeah. So, um, I want to say the book initially was not going to be, okay, the first chapter of the book, chapters, not really chapters, but first chapter of the book is, um, a testimony type of thing of three car accidents that I was in my fall 2016 semester. And I think that was the, the start of me really understanding like my mental health is important too mm-hmm. type of thing because I was like I had really bad anxiety it was three car accidents like every single month like November Man. um September October November was three car accidents one each month so after that like I was just a nervous wreck like I didn't want to get in any cars like I walked everywhere my friends were like you want to come like no like, no I'll be I, shy. Right, I'm cool <laughs> like, I don't want to get in a car um I was nervous I had anxiety like I wasn't eating like it was really bad and I started going to therapy after that and therapy really helped me like get back into on track with everything so it's just really the first part is a testimony and then when you go further into the book um it's like in the middle it's a portion that I like to call the healing component it's called Mm -hmm. the evolution and it's poems and stuff that I wrote during the times I was like really hurt or I was sitting outside or like I was stressed out so I think that's my favorite part of the book because, like, when I read it, I un- I knew what I was going through at yeah. the time that I wrote each of the thing, the the poems. So it's like, whoa! <laughs> it takes you back. Yeah, it takes yeah. me back. And it's like, really, this is like the healing process was in all these poems, and then after that, it's like goes back to the letters. So it's really nice. It's like a it's a journey. Like okay. the book is really a journey. So the reader will be able to follow mm-hmm. along with you. And it's, it's like blank pages in there for y'all to write. So like you said, they're responding to different questions mm-hmm. that you have mm-hmm. in there. So, um, for example, there's a, there's a, a, a section in there that talks about pain mm-hmm. and like pain being a part of growth and how you have to endure certain things to grow as a person. Mm-hmm. And so afterwards, I have a few pages of people like, um, it's the, the page says, you know, Think of something that you're dealing with right now or that you have dealt with that you haven't really dealt with right. that caused you pain and write about it here. And then like whenever you feel this pain, just come back and write it out and write it out until you can heal from it. Yeah. And it's like next time you go to pray, mention these things in your prayers. Like you have it written down already. Just bring it up so you can heal from these things. I think we forget sometimes to like pray about stuff because old folks say all the time, just pray about it, pray about it. And it makes you not want yeah. to be like... Oh. Tell me something else. Tell me something I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I know he is going to do it. I know mm-hmm. he's going to do that. But I think it's very important to be specific mm-hmm. in prayer and to not just take for granted the fact that, oh, he's all-knowing. Mm-hmm. He already knows what I'm going through. I think that God really wants us to be like, okay, this is how I exactly. feel. And this is what I would like for you to do. Exactly. So instead of just being like, because there was a point in my life where, I was hurt about a lot of stuff, like relationships and stuff. And I'm like, he already, he knows. Like, he knows I'm hurt, but he let this happen. Mm-hmm. So why should I pray and ask for healing or whatever? And you just sit in it. You, you will sit in you it forever. It, it gets to the point where you're like, okay, I can't deal with this yeah. anymore. And then I was finally like, I know you already know. But. But. <laughs> I'm just saying anyway. Right. This is what happened and this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I think once you put that out into the atmosphere and once you let those things be known to God, then he's like, okay, you're acknowledging it now. Mm-hmm. Now I can. Exactly. And it's really freeing. Mm-hmm. It's like a weight is lifted off of your shoulders. Once you finally start talking about things. Because I remember when I started doing my workshops on campus, I used to not talk about the stuff that I dealt with, like, with my parents or mm-hmm. with even... I just not mention my parents' divorce or mention my relationship with my mother or anything like that. But when I started doing my workshops, I was talking openly about stuff that I went through and, like, my relationship with my mom and, like, the things that I went through as a child. And that really brought me to a place, like, where I was healed. Like, mm-hmm. I even remember certain um, workshops where I would cry talking about it. But yeah. it was, like, afterwards, I felt so much better. It's like, wow, I finally talked about that yeah. and it's like not on my spirit anymore and I feel free from it like I can just go around like now I can bring it up and not feel any type of way mm-hmm. like when two years ago if I would even like mention 
my relationship with my mom or like the parents divorce when I was younger I just be like I don't want to talk about that yeah. you know what I mean so it's really like talking about things really heals people and I don't think people realize that that communication really heals situations like just talk things out even if it's just with yourself or with God or with, with your friends like just yeah. talk it out because it really heals and words really have power like um I have a journal and I think I was like writing I can't remember what I was writing one day and I flipped to the first page and on the first page I wrote in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and it just made me be like words are like everything mm -hmm. what you say what you think mm -hmm. like what you write what you put yes. out there and it's just all like it's so I can't even express or like put it into put it into words right. like how <laughs> how much they have an impact on your life and just being able to talk things out with people and knowing that you're not alone right. or that somebody's listening mm -hmm. you know i feel like that's a good thing i think that's a big thing too knowing that you're not alone and i think that's a um a reason why a lot of people talk about the things that they go through because it's a lot of people that do feel like they're alone mm -hmm. and i know for me personally i it wouldn't be like, my first choice when I wake up in the morning is <laughs> go and tell people about yeah. some things that I've been through. But when I get in the moment and I'm in those positions to tell people or help people, I'm just like, they. somebody in this room might be about to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. And, they need to and hear you what never I, know. Exactly. That's really what gets me. I'm just like, somebody in here might be on the edge and something that I say could help them, mm -hmm. like, rethink their decision. So it's like, I just got to, like, God use me and just say what I need to say, even yeah. if it feels weird. Like, I just have to let it out. That's true. I think um, I think we might have jazz on here a lot, y'all. Because what she said, what she just said, it just took me back because I was on a panel here on campus. And I can't remember. It was like something about their story or something like that. I can't even remember who put the panel on. But when it got to be my turn, like, mm -hmm. at first, you know how we have these events on campus and you just kind of rehearse what you're going to say. It gets very repetitive. Mm -hmm. But when I stood up, I just felt like I needed to share like a bit of my story and I told like the audience or whatever about how I had thoughts of like suicide mm -hmm. and this just happened like twice once when I was like in middle school mm -hmm. and then when I got to college like mm -hmm. in college I think my sophomore maybe junior year it was like stuff was popping off like left and right and I just didn't know mm -hmm. how to handle it I got in a car accident and I was on these like strong medications and mm -hmm. everything and I was just like I don't want to deal with this mm -hmm. anymore. But when I would come to campus, nobody, nobody, nobody knew. knew. You never know. Yeah, so you just never know what people are going through. So it's so important to share your story mm -hmm. and to talk to people. And sometimes, even when you don't feel like it, like I'll be at work some days, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I don't feel like talking to anybody. But then I'm like, I don't know what they're going through. Exactly. So, hey, good morning. Exactly. Right. You okay? Exactly. exactly. And one small thing could just change your whole perspective. Because if I just had somebody, when I think back to it, like, if somebody just really looked at me, mm -hmm. I think they would have been able to see that something mm -hmm. was not right. You know what you it know? is? People usually don't think that the strong friend is, is going through things. <laughs> That's really what it is. People usually don't think to check on the strong friend. So... It's like when the strong friend does go through stuff, they're like, what is going on? What? Like, like it's the end I of the world. I never could have imagined. Yeah. It's like, sis, I'm human too. Yeah. Like, we go through stuff. Just like you. We just, I guess. We hold it differently. Hold it, yeah. And we carry the mm -hmm. weight of it differently mm -hmm. than other people. So they just. And it's nothing wrong with them coming to us. Because right. I feel like you have that strong friend for a reason. Mm -hmm. Like, you need somebody to kind of just guide you along the way or have somebody to lean on when things mm -hmm. get a little rough but be considerate right. of your strong friend too right just check in with them sometimes exactly. like sometimes we don't want to be the strong yeah friend. sometimes i want you to be the strong exactly. friend i talk about that in here too talk about that. okay it's in the book y'all it's, it's in the book oh man so this is this is a lot but i'm gonna keep going it's only a few more questions though um you kind of answered how the process was of writing, mm -hmm. but how are you preparing to put a piece of yourself out into the world for other people to consume <laughs> and to judge? Girl, it's that's what I've been struggling with this week. I've been really just trying to talk myself into because I'm like, people are gonna say what they are gonna say regardless. Mm -hmm. I have to be um, 
like if I'm gonna put this book out, I have to be confident in my decision to put, put the book out, knowing that people are, are gonna have their opinions. Right. So, like you know, everybody said I'm an artist and I'm sensitive, sensitive about, about my sh- okay, okay, but. I don't want to let that sensitivity prevent me from putting it out, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Because I know if I let it, I could let that sensitivity of not wanting other people to um, put their opinions or maybe their negative comments mm-hmm. on it and make it prevent me from releasing it altogether. So I think I got to a point where it was just like, people are going to say what they want to say. Yeah, um, I'm putting this out because I know that people can get help from it and... It's beautiful to me, so that's really what matters to me. It's like, it's my first piece of art that I'm letting people yeah. see. Because I used to not let people read my writing. Like, I really, like, I did not let them read anything. I was just like, yeah, this is, this is my book, so you can't look at my stuff. Like, <laughs> right. go about your business. But I'm really excited. I think I'm really excited because it's, like, liberating. It's yeah. like, I'm finally sharing a story that I haven't really shared with people. Um a lot of people see my poems. Yeah. I really don't post my poems like that. And I promised myself as like a New Year's resolution. I was going to let people read my stuff more. So I'm proud of myself. I really am proud and of myself. And you should be. Um, I really, thank you. I'm really proud of myself. You know, I'm excited. I'm so excited. I'm over here smiling. Y'all can't see me, but... Yeah, but she's smiling, y'all. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can see the excitement so on her face. So where do you see yourself going with the Ruja Academy from here on out? I really want... To to be, of course, a life coach. Um, I really want to work in detention centers. Okay. Um, my, I feel like my purpose in life is to get kids out of jail. Mm. And not just kids, because I know my purpose is to help people, but it's just something in me that's pulling me to kids. Yeah. Like, just pulling me to, like, help them and just help them grow up and develop, like, a healthy mindset and, like, healthy habits and things like that. And I just, I really want to be a youth correctional counselor, so... But I just, I don't want to be your typical counselor. I want to actually, like, take the stuff that I do and take it into detention centers and have, like, maybe sessions where the kids can come and they can take the course yeah. or, like, be a part of the Rouge Academy for, like, once a week or something like that. That's really what I want to do. Oh, that is nice. Yeah. I can see that. I think a lot of our kids, and I don't want to just say black kids because all kids just need those kind of people to take mm-hmm. the time out of their day mm-hmm. and just... Spend it with them. Exactly. Because I think they feel forgotten a lot of mm-hmm. times. And a lot of times kids do certain things because they just want attention. Right. And they don't know how to say that. So they seek mm-hmm. it out. And then instead of putting them in counseling or therapy where they need to be, they put them in jail. Yeah. And it's like, what well, goes on in detention centers is it's disgusting. Like, I watch documentaries about it, and you literally have the people that were in the detention center saying, like, the guards in there are telling you that you're going to be in there for the rest of your life, and they're telling you that you're going to get out and not be able to do anything with your life. Like, why are you telling kids that? Yeah. <laughs> as impressionable as they are, is, like... Why are you telling children that? That doesn't make sense to me. It's like, we just need better people in these systems, and we don't have them. We don't. We don't. And have you ever heard of um, Pace? Like, yes, here. Girl? It's, like, for girls. Mm-hmm. It's school for girls. So... The I want the Rouge Academy to be like that, but for all kids that get out of yeah. jail, so like they could have the center to come to and like, get good. their life back on track. I know a lot of girls that went to Pace, mm-hmm. a lot, and they weren't bad. Mm-hmm. Like looking back, I think um, people they started putting kids in Pace. If y'all don't know, Pace is here in Tallahassee, and I was born and raised here, went to school here, and everything. And they started putting a lot of girls in Pace, like around middle school, mm-hmm. and. They just wouldn't come back to school again. Was, and we was would it be for like, behavior type thing? Yeah, but it would be like, I don't want to say the smallest things, but like, say if somebody got in a fight, mm-hmm. take them out and put them in pace. Like They are just extra. Yeah, and then when they get the pace, it's just worse. Like mm-hmm. A lot of them got pregnant. Mm-hmm. A lot of them stopped going to pace. And why would you take them out of this environment when you have like a plethora of kids Mm -hmm. and put them in a troubled Mm -hmm. you know exactly environment exactly like what is that and i think um a lot of the i don't want to say this i feel like i'm throwing shots at pace (laughs) it's okay i'm not i'm not i'm not throwing shots in any way shape or form but i feel like this is just facilities in general for troubled youth quote unquote i feel like it makes them feel troubled it does you know and it's i feel like and if you're going to have a, re- a rehabil- rehabilitation center for behavior or 
whatever it is, I feel like the environment needs to be welcoming, needs to be loving, especially for children. Yeah. Because you don't want the kids to go in there with a mindset of, I'm in here because I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, The people in here think I'm a bad person. You know what I mean? It needs to be a place where they can go in. It's like, yes, I had to get my life together, but this is a safe place for me where I can be comfortable with being myself be comfortable with growing into the person that i'm going to become you know what i mean i can talk to somebody exactly they won't judge me Uh they actually want to help me so i just feel like a lot of correctional facilities and correctional organizations that the kids go to because they get kicked out of school or things like that need to be more loving they do honestly we need to work on how that whole system is like set up and the prison industrial complex, like, I can go on about that. Girl, that's, that's just like the black parenting. Yes. Like, I think we can go on We and can on go and on. on. But you need people that can, people with fresh mindsets mm-hmm. and, like, young people who want to make a difference. Exactly. Because a lot of those schools and facilities have older people who've mm-hmm. been there 30 years and they're just kind of exactly. like over it. Exactly. They're going to check. You want to also be relatable yeah. to the children. Like, I feel like a 13 year old kid is not going to come into a facility with a 40 year old person and be able to relate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I feel like it would be easier if it's a 14 year old coming in with like a younger, maybe in their 20s or something. Yeah. And being able to talk to them and and understand like I maybe the person like I was there I was in that yeah. place but I turned my life around that's a good point if you have people that yep. mm-hmm. have been there mm-hmm. so it's not just where um it's a kick and see what they can be yeah like oh she overcame it I can do it too mm-hmm. instead of somebody who's like never been through anything just trying to get just, you ordered yeah I'm like, like you guys don't want to do right. Just like kids, <laughs> kids are like that. Especially like kids, kids are definitely gonna be like that. They're like, don't tell me what to do. Like they don't want to be there in the first mm-hmm. place. You're giving them orders. You're not really taking into account what they're dealing with. You just see what they did. You just see their record. Right. You know what I mean, that's what a lot of detention centers do. You just see they don't see a person. They see a record. That's and it's so just like true. these are kids. Yeah. Children like who children. go on to become adults. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we can go on. We can (laughs) can go go on on all day. So, years from now, when you look back at all that you've accomplished, what would be your measure of success? I always say that my measure of success is my happiness level. Mm. And I don't want to say my happiness level because, you know, happiness fluctuates because, you know, you go through things. Yeah. But I always say um, finding your purpose is a mixture of your passion and like the world's needs so where they meet mm. that's what that's what every purpose is because like what do you love to do and how can you help the world by doing that like what does the world need from what you love to do how does that meet how does that connect that's your purpose so honestly even if i'm not in like the best mood or something like if i have an event and i'm like helping people i'll just prep back up yeah and I don't, I don't, I don't know why. Like how, how, how I'm in a bad mood, and I go help other people, and I'm happy again. <laughs> but sometimes that will bring you back. Mm-hmm. The giving back yeah. aspect, it does. It really does help. But honestly, I think my happiness level would, and how many people I am, or not even how many people I impact, how much I impact. Because I always tell people, um, even when like my mentees when they want to do events, I'm like it's not about how many people come, it's about mm-hmm. how many people you touch right like how many people get help you know what i mean so it's like even if it's just three people out of a group of 50 at least you saved three people that were on edge or something like didn't know what to do you help them find their guidance find their way back so i think my happiness with doing that with helping people would be my measure of success i think that's nice that is nice because i i'm still trying to figure out what mine will be Later on, but I'm gonna I'm figure out and I'm gonna let y'all know. Yeah, we would. I'm gonna come back and be like, hey, I think it worked. <laughs> you know? So, I think I want to have you back on again soon. Yes, this was so fun. Yeah, this, this was, was real so fun. fun. Y'all, she can't, it's so fun, y'all. Y'all, you her friend, y'all. She's so fun. <laughs> so, be looking out for our next episode. Um, I don't know what we're gonna discuss. Maybe I'll do like a poll on Instagram and have people like yes. pick what they feel like they want to do. So make sure y'all follow me on Instagram at Shakira White. That is Shakira with two A's, not one like the singer. (laughs) 
So y'all stay tuned for the next episode coming real soon. I want to thank you for coming on the show today with thank me. Thank you for having me. No this problem. was a great time, a great experience. You know, I feel like I even healed from talking. Do you? Yes. Like I always feel like when I express my emotions and talk to people, just about things I go through, I always heal a little bit more. Yeah. So it's very helpful for me too. So thank you. Therapeutic. Yes, yeah, both ways. Both ways. So I'm excited about all the things you have coming up. Before you go, tell the people where they can find you and how they can learn more about the Rouge Academy and your new self-published book. Yes, so pre-sales for my book goes on tonight, well, June 1st, so tonight at midnight, they'll be available for sale um, through the subscription, so you have to subscribe at jasminerouge.com slash subscribe, that's J-A-S-M-Y-N-R-U-J-A.com slash subscribe. And um, through that, you'll have to go into your email, accept the subscription, and I'll be sending out the link tonight at midnight to purchase the book on the website. Um, you can fi- follow me on Instagram yeah, and Twitter. Plug. I was like, what? I was like, <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jasmine Ruja, J-A-S-M-Y-N-R-U-J-A. And you can also follow my business page, The Rouge Academy, and that's T-H-E-R-U-J-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. And... That's on every platform. That's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. And that's really all I have. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And make sure you all get the book. I'm definitely ordering mine because I'm already a subscriber. So I get some perks of the pre-sale. Subscribers get the early Mm pre-sales. The pre-sale will be open to everybody on June 10th. Okay. But, you know, I like to get my subscribers a week to get their little head start. Because y'all, y'all been down. Thank (laughs) you. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. So... Y'all get that treat. Make sure y'all sign up and follow her on all those platforms. And that's all for now. Thank you for tuning in. And don't forget to stay black and carefree. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Carefree Black Girl Diaries. Yeah, see (laughs) y'all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.